Well, happy birthday, America, right? Like it's 4th of July, it's Independence Day. Anybody remember the year that the Declaration of Independence was signed? Oh, all right. We got some history majors uh, up in this place. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is it's 1776. And, and 4th of July, um, it, it's, a, it's an awesome time. And really, all of our holidays is a time where we remember, right? We, we take time to go back and, and remember. And, and I know that in this season, there are some that want to make America great again, and there are others that want to move America forward. For all of us, um, there, there's something in remembering, there's a principle that we see, and it's not just in the scriptures, but we often, if you're not a believer, we often hear the saying, um, those who forget the future, the past, are more likely to repeat it, right? For the two that uh, know the quote. Um, and and it, there's this principle, and we see it in the scriptures a lot, where we're encouraged to remember. Now, one of the painfully necessary parts of um, regroup, which is our care and recovery ministry here uh, at Summit, is this process of kind of going through your story and remembering your story. Uh, and, and I went through regroup, man, it's probably been like four or five years now, and part of it was doing a timeline of my life. And they were, there were funny parts um, to my story. Uh, example of that was uh, there's a time I was going to, I was working full time and going to UCF part time. And so I was waking up at 6.30, 6 in the morning and going to work and then had a class at seven o'clock at night. Wasn't gonna get out to like 9.50. Uh, and so obviously I was tired. And I remember walking into this auditorium. I had just had a pizza at the student union for those UCF folks, you know. And I walked over to the, the BA1 building and walked into this auditorium with like 350 people. You never really even talk to the professor. You just kind of talk to their aides or their assistants. Um, and I sat in the back and I began the battle of staying awake, right? You, you've, you've done this before. Some of you are engaging this battle right now. You're, 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 you're engaging this battle and it's kind of like, and then you got, and, and, and sometimes you kind of get even a little low and you're like, oh, your kind of head just kind of carries you forward and then it just pops back up. Well, I, was, I, I started engaging the battle and then I just surrendered. I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna surrender. I'm gonna put, put my head down uh, on my hand and I, said, and I said, you know what? I'm just gonna surrender to it for about 15 minutes. I'll wake back up. I'll be fresh and be able to. So I do that, um, except when I woke up, the room was empty. I mean, no one in the room, no one. And I had sat in the back, so everybody walked out and saw me sleeping, and no one woke me up. And then to add insult to injury, um, I jumped up because I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed. I jumped up, and my legs had fallen asleep, so I fell on the floor, to which then I was glad that no one was in the room. Um, so there are those painful parts of our stories, right, that we, that, we, uh, that we oftentimes don't want to, and that's funny, but there are painful parts of our story that we don't want to kind of remember. But if we, if we, if we don't remember, what remembering does for us is it puts our, so remembering our past puts our present in context. Right? It's kind of seeing like it, it, the, the present is kind of that after picture without looking at the before picture. The, so oftentimes, remembering our past gives perspective and sometimes direction to our present and our future. And so 
if you were to ask me today, Sam, what's your goal in, in, in your sermon this morning? Um, I would say my goal is, is that you would remember. What it is that you need to remember, I'm not sure. But I would hope that you would remember because oftentimes, if we fail to remember, our circumstances seem a lot bigger than the character of our God. When we fail to remember, when we forget, our present and current circumstances seem way bigger than our God. Why? Because we're prone to forget his character. We see it throughout the, the history of God's people. As I was preparing for today, I went back and I read portions of Exodus. And it's, it's incredible to me that in Exodus 12, God parts the Red Sea. I mean, these people were about to die. God parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. Through that, it's raining food. And in chapter 32, we see that Moses takes too long to come down from a mountain, and so they build this golden calf and start worshiping an idol. And as I read that, the Lord convicted me, because I'm like, those people. And then he's like, you do the same. When we fail to remember, we often give ourselves over to things that are not God's best for us. Why? Because we take matters into our own hands. And so as we, be, as we continue in our study of Ephesians, we're gonna look at this portion um, in Ephesians chapter two where Paul is encouraging um, the Gentiles to remember. And he says, hey, I, I want you to, 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 to get a before picture and then I'm gonna give you an after picture and what I'm calling you to as a church. And so uh, Ephesians chapter two um, and it's on, in your bulletin. It's also on, um, gonna be on the screen for us here. It says, therefore, chapter two, verse 11, sorry. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Can I get an amen? Um, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. That's God's word. Now, as we look at this uh, passage, it's important to note that we could probably spend um, a, an entire series on this section of Ephesians. There's just so much in here. And so I will probably not do it justice in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, but so I wanna encourage you to, to online, there's some study resources that you can uh, continue to dive deeper into uh, this study with us of Ephesians as we walk through this over the summer. But Paul has just gotten done, and if you were here last week with us, you knew the three words were dead, but God, and alive. He has just told these Gentile believers that they are, they are a new creation, that, they've, um, that they, are, they are new, and, and they have life. And you think that his next thing would be to say, now go and do what God's called you to do. But he takes time and he says, hey, because, God, because this has been accomplished through Jesus, I want you to remember And that word, as I read it and prayed about what would be helpful for us as a church, as a congregation, to glean from this passage is this idea of how easily we forget. There are some in this room that things have gotten a little tight with your spouse, and you're in danger of forgetting your marital vows. There are some that you've experienced so many closed doors that you're in danger of giving up or letting go of that calling that God's placed in your life. There are some that maybe you've been let go from your job, you're going through a tough financial circumstance, and you're in danger of forgetting that God is your provider. And this one happens to me often, is that there are some that have been in church for so long that you're in danger of forgetting that you're a son and a daughter of the most high God. So what are you in danger of forgetting? Because what Paul wants to do here with these believers is he says, hey, I don't want you to forget this because I'm calling you to something greater. And you're gonna need to remember this. He says, I want you to remember, the first thing he says is that you are far away, that you are a stranger, that you are a foreigner, And he says, you were without hope and you were without God. Now the term, the the Greek term that's used for without God, it's the only time we see it in the New Testament. And to kind of paint a better picture of what it means, it's kind of this idea that not only were they, they weren't with God, but they didn't even have access to God. It was like, it was like there, there was this hopelessness that they could not even draw near to God if they wanted to. Now, to, to give you an idea, if you didn't grow up in church um, and you're kind of wondering, like, Sam, what, these Gentiles, like, were they just gentle people and they became known as Gentiles? Um, no, um, it, it, as quickly as I can do this, back in Genesis 12, uh, God uh, is looking for a way to, or is, is executing his plan of redemption uh, for humanity. And he chooses Abraham to be the conduit of um, a promise to restore and redeem a broken world, to bring all things in unity under Christ. Um, And he calls Abraham and he says, hey, I want you to leave. 
and I want you to, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And God's people were meant to be a showcase of his love and his grace and his mercy. Um, and so anyone that was in the line of Abraham, were, they were Jewish people. And they were Jews. And then everyone else, there were basically two groups, Jews and Gentiles. And so a majority of us in this room would be considered Gentile believers. We're not direct descendants of the line of Abraham. And so back, what, it, what ended up happening is it was kind of like insiders and outsiders. The Jews were God's chosen people and they were insiders. And then the Gentiles were outsiders. And he says, hey, I want you to remember that. Because that was the before picture. He says, you were separated. You were without God. You were far away. And then there's a but. He said, but Christ Jesus. And you know what I love about that? Is that God has always been about bringing things that are far away, bringing them near. And maybe you're here today and you walked into this place and someone invited you or you happened to see the sign and you're like, I'm not even, no, I'm not even sure uh, uh, what I'm doing here and I feel so far away from God if there even is a God. I want you to know that our God is about moving us from being far to being near. I know there are some here that maybe feel distant from God because of things that you've done, because of your actions, of, of the poor decisions that you've made in your life. And you know what I love about what this says? It says in verse 13, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It didn't say you came near, because that would imply that we could come near. And God says, I want to remind you, you were without hope and without access to God. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't. You couldn't muster enough. And he says, but you know what? You've been brought near. Now that's both exciting and should cause you to say amen because it means that you, th there's nothing that you could have done to bring you near. He brought us near. But it also means that he's brought everyone near. And that's a little bit of the scandal of grace and of the gospel is that he's brought the person that's been oppressed near but he's also brought the oppressor near. He's brought the person that has experienced the pain, and he's brought the person that has inflicted the pain. This has been especially hard for me this week. One of our partner organizations, International Justice Mission, they do amazing work in bringing um, freedom and justice to, um, to the poor around the world. And earlier in the week, they sent out an email uh, asking for prayer um, and social media support because one of their attorneys um, in Kenya 
who had been representing a client who had filed a claim against um, a police officer for being falsely accused and shot, and their taxi driver had been abducted after they had left a court hearing. So here's this person who's poor, um, is experiences injustice, files a claim, is getting um, support from International Justice Mission, and they're, uh, they get abducted, the lawyer, the client, and their taxi driver. And so my wife and I, uh, we began to pray, and they were asking to tweet the embassy to try to get uh, officials to get involved in finding them, only to a few days later get an email from, um, from IJM saying that they had found their bodies, and they had been murdered. And they were asking for prayers of comfort for their family. And as I kind of read the social media posts and the comments, there's one comment that said, um, and pray for the perpetrators that have done this. And I was like, no way. I'm not praying for them. I can't pray for them. This is, I mean, just absolutely horrible what they've done. And then I went back to my studying and I read, remember that you were once far off. You were without hope and without God. And I reluctantly said a prayer for them. I said, Lord, I hope they get caught. (laughs) And I believe God's justice is good and I prayed that they would experience God's justice. And I prayed that at some point that they would encounter Jesus and that they too could say remember at some point. He said remember that you were once a foreigner, a stranger. That was your before picture. You were far away. And you have been brought near. You see, it says that that dividing wall had been obliterated, destroyed, not just kind of torn down, like the thing had been destroyed that now we can experience a relationship with God through the blood of Christ. But it goes on to say, hey, you know how I just called you circumcised and, and uncircumcised? And that was kind of the sign of the promise that God had given Abraham. He said, there's a rift here between Jews and Gentiles, between the two groups. There's a dividing wall there as well. And in fact, their picture of this would have been the fact that when they, if they went to the temple, they could not come in past a certain wall. So it would have brought up a certain image for them. He says, what I'm looking to do is not simply break the barrier, the vertical barrier, the barrier between us and God, but I also, that through Christ, the barriers that we and the walls that we construct and build around each other are also torn down. You know, we're really good at building walls and dividing people. Um, just not too long ago, my kids remind me of this when they're like, no, 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 that's the adult side and this is the kid's side, right? Like even at a young age, we are so, uh, so, just so prone to divide people. Male, female, haves, haves, nots, race. 
And Jesus is saying, what I'm doing here is I'm not only reconciling you or making a way between, God is saying, I'm not only making a way between me and you, but I'm also making a way for you two to be reconciled. And I say that because all of us at some point have experienced broken relationships. And I don't know what reconciliation in your case might look. But when we remember, we remember a God who has, who has torn down the walls and not only has given us vertical reconciliation, but he's given us the opportunity to be ministers of horizontal reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says that he's invited us into the ministry of reconciliation, that we get to be a part of the work that he's doing around us in not only uh, leading people to be reconciled to our heavenly father, but in, in tearing down walls that we build. Walls around our sports teams, right? I think it's I think it's pretty vicious on social media when you look at it. You think like, man, you got stock in your school or what? Like UCF and USF. Any bulls, USF bulls in the house? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus. I just, my brother Jonathan, to feel an extra hug from Sam right now. Um, right? I often think like Subaru owners and non-Subaru owners. I've never knew, knew how, how, how uh, passionate Subaru owners are. Um, right? There's all these walls that we've built. And Paul is saying, remember, that, I've reconcil- that through Christ we've been reconciled to the Father and we've been reconciled to one another. And when that happens, there's this sense of peace that we once were at war with God and we were uh, because of our sin and now, and we were at war with each other and now there's this peace. But the, the concept here of shalom, it, 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 it takes us way beyond that. It, Shalom in the Jewish culture, uh, well, when I was there in Israel a few months ago, they, when you're walking into a place, they're like, shalom, shalom. It's kind of part of the greeting. Um, but it's this idea of completeness and wholeness under God's reign. And he says, hey, there are parts of your story. Here they were. You were far away. You were a foreigner. You were a stranger. You're without God. Those were the parts of your story. That was your before picture. Now let me give you your after picture. Verse 19 says this. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. He says, hey, this was your before picture. Now let me tell you your after picture because I wanna give context to your situation. He says, You were far away, and now I've brought you near. 
He said, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go even deeper still. You were a foreigner, now you're a citizen with all rights and privileges. Now for us, we hear that term foreigner and citizen and for most of us, we were born here in the States and we've never had to go through a naturalization process or a process of becoming a citizen. But my wife went, uh, was, was born in Venezuela and I still remember when we had her ceremony where she was gonna be, become a citizen. And the interesting thing about it is that there was really nothing in her circumstances that, that were gonna change. Yeah, I mean, she'd get the right to vote and some of the other things, but, um, but there was this, I remember the ceremony and it was just an, an amazing event because there was just something about being a citizen. It gave, gave her a new identity. It's like, you know, before you were a resident and there may be the opportunity for you to, to kind of be kicked out of, of our country but now you're a citizen with all its rights and privileges. And you know the beautiful thing about it? Is that there are no second class citizens in God's kingdom. The same blood that washed my sin washes and cleanses you as it cleanses the person who committed the, those horrible events, those horrible things against that IJM, those IJM folks. There are no second class citizens in God's kingdom. So however it is that you've walked into this room, maybe you're not a religious person. Know that there are no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. He said, but I'm going a still, deeper still. He said, you went from being a stranger to being a family member. So not only do you get rights and privileges as a citizen, but now you get refrigerator rights. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about with the refrigerator rights, right? The, 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 not everybody that comes to your home has refrigerator rights, right? But he says, hey, you're a part of the family. You're my son, you're my daughter. And nothing you can do stops that from being true. And he says, you know what? Because I'm that good I'm gonna go even deeper still. You're gonna become, you're gonna go from without God to be a dwelling place in which God lives. He says, hey, I'm gonna dwell in you and I want you now to be the, the conduits of my love and my grace and my goodness to this world. And you're, not because you're perfect, but just like the temple was a place where people would go to know God and know God's people, he says, I want you to be that new temple and Christ himself is our chief cornerstone, which means that it can never be torn down. He says, you are now a dwelling place. Paul says, I want you to remember what I've done because at some point you might doubt God's goodness in your life. At some point, you might doubt his faithfulness in your life. At some point, you might doubt whether he is even present in your life. He says, you've been, you were far, you've been brought near, you were a stranger, you're a citizen, you're a foreigner, you're a citizen, you're a stranger, you're a family member, you were without God, 
now your dwelling place with God. My wife and I, just yes, last night, we were at a rehearsal dinner for a wedding that I'll get to officiate uh, t- this afternoon. And um, anytime someone, usually we, so we sat at the table with this couple and usually they'll ask, hey, so how did you get into ministry? And they kind of want to hear about um, how we were, how I'm a pastor. And um, if you don't want to get a 45 minute story, don't ask that question because that's, that's what you'll get. And so over dinner, we're talking, you know, I'm telling them this, this story of how God uh, called us into vocational ministry here at Summit. And, um, and, and then we also shared about our adoption story because uh, they're kind of, they were, they were sharing on how uh, they were thinking about having another child, but she's high-risk pregnancy. And, uh, and so we're like, well, you can adopt a child as well. And if you, if you, want, if you would like to hear a 30-minute story, ask me about the adoption process because uh, we love adoption and we want people to adopt. And anyways, we, so um, as we were walking out, um, Carol looks at me and she says, you know, it's, it's good to, to think back and see God's faithfulness throughout the story. As I said earlier, when we, when we don't remember, we often see our circumstances and they appear to be larger than the character of our God. And Paul is saying, hey, remember. Don't just stay there. I don't want you to, to stay there. Here's the after picture. You get to be a part of God's family. So if you're here and you're like, Sam, I, I, I need something tangible uh, for, for today, I just wanna say remember. It's in our stories that we get a glimpse of what God's up to. And it gives perspective to our present. So today, I want us to approach God's table and remember. It's exactly what he told his disciples to do. On the night he was betrayed, he, he was breaking bread with them and he said, he takes his piece of bread and he says, this is my body that will be broken for you. Every time you do this, remember. Don't forget. Don't forget the fact that I'm giving my life to atone for your sin and tear down the walls between you and God, between you and each other. He says, every time you take this cup, remember that it's my blood that's gonna be shed. And it's a new covenant. And there are no insiders and outsiders with God's people. And so as we approach God's table today, I pray that we'd be reminded of what Christ has done for us. And we'd be reminded of the opportunity that we have as his church to be ministers of reconciliation to our community. For each and every one of us to be a light in this community where people can come and know God and know God's people. Let's remember. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for the men and women throughout history that have given their lives to preserve your word. I'm thankful for Paul who was passionate about seeing people know and experience exactly what Christ accomplished for us 
that he wrote this, these words to encourage these believers to remember where God had pulled them out of and what he was calling them to. God, help us, give us the strength to remember not only where you've called us from, but what you've called us to. That as we remember, we would see your goodness and your love throughout our stories. God, we thank you that you're a good father, that we get to be a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there are four stations in this room, two up front and one on each side. The one to your left, to my right, is a gluten-free station, if that's helpful for you. And the way it works, we do communion through intention, which means that you'll come up to one of the four stations, and there'll be someone there that's serving you. And as you take a piece of bread, they'll say the body of Christ that was broken for you. And as you dip it in either the wine or the juice, they'll say the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And they'll say both those things because both those things are true. You should know that this is God's table and it's not Summit's table. So if you've placed your trust in Jesus, even if it was today for the first time, maybe you've remembered and you have uh, have have experienced what Christ has done for you, I want to encourage you to come to his table. If you're not a follower of Jesus and um, you, you're unsure what to do during this time, I'd encourage you to reflect on the songs that we're gonna be singing together. And would you ponder if the words that we're singing are true for you? I'd love for us, as a part of our service, to remember what Christ has done. And as you're ready, either come forward or go to the sides.